1: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special returning guest is Dr. James Greenblatt, and we'll be talking about his updated book, "To Answer, Answers to Anorexia. In this updated edition, uh, psychiatrist James M. Greenblatt applies his extensive experience as an eating disorder expert of more than 20 years, and the very latest in scientific research to coalesce a novel treatment model for anorexia nervosa. Dr. Greenblatt explains, citing both his extensive clinical work as well as peer-reviewed research, that addressing the nutritional deficits that are compromising brain function is a critical prerequisite to the realization of future treatment success. This easy-to-read book, intended for clinicians and lay readers alike, has been written to extend the current knowledge regarding the biology and psychology of anorexia, and from this knowledge, distill a better, more comprehensive treatment model that will improve patient outcomes. A pioneer in the field of integrative medicine, Dr. James Greenblatt, has treated patients since 1988. He is the founder of Psychiatry Redefined, an educational platform dedicated to the transformation of psychiatry, which offers online CME-approved courses, webinars, and fellowships for professionals about functional and integrative medicine for mental illness. For more information, you can visit his website, JamesGreenblattMD.com, or uh, and uh, you can also visit psychiatryredefined.org. Uh, so that, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Greenblatt.
2: Thank you. It's good to be with you again.
1: Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm looking, I am I do want to uh, let uh, listeners know I did mention he is returning guest. And uh, uh, Dr. Greenblatt and I last spoke on June 7, 2017, a little more than four years ago, uh, when we talked about, um, his book and his work with ADHD and the book was, uh, finally focused breakthrough natural treatment for ADHD. And just to let listeners know, if that particular topic is of interest to you, you can go to our archive page at radio.b and, and on the bottom, you can search by guest and just, um, look for Greenblatt and you'll, you'll be able to tune into that show from four years ago. So. Uh, with that, um, boy, this is a, a, now, this is a completely different topic here, uh, Dr. Greenblatt. So um, I, I guess the first thing I would kind of like to start with is if you would kind of let the listeners know a, a, a high-level view of what anorexia nervosa is, just so we can kind of have a baseline to work from with.
2: Sure. Uh, an- anorexia nervosa is a um, psychiatric illness. It is uh, an eating disorder, and uh, what is not commonly known that it is a life-threatening disorder, and uh, amongst all of our psychiatric disorders, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, anorexia nervosa has the highest mortality rate um, and the highest risk for suicide, so it is a very serious illness that I believe the Medical and psychiatric community has really um, tragically left both the research and, and patients um, kind of behind. There's just very little treatment models that have shown to be successful.
1: Yeah, but well, now, now, how prevalent is is this? Um, you know, kind of roughly in, in today's um, environment.
2: Well, I think um, the broader um, eating disorders or disordered eating, you know, is is around 40 million Americans. So it's a lot of uh, people. The patients diagnosed with anorexia nervosa is is a smaller percent. It's 1% or 2% of uh, the population. But, again, a a life-threatening illness that needs better treatment models.
1: Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. Um, how and when did you become uh, particularly interested in, in anorexia?
2: Well, it was really by accident. I, you know, took a job as a um, uh, chairman of a psychiatry department, and we had a small eating disorder unit, and that was 25 years ago. It was not by choice, and I, I think that's important because n- not a lot of medical professionals choose to treat eating disorders because we don't have medications that are approved. We don't have consistent models. So many of my colleagues, you know, don't want to be in a profession that there are not a lot of answers to. And um, so I came about it by accident 25 years ago and have been pretty much doing this, um, uh, you know, full time since that.
1: Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, that's some accident. <laughs> so and, and it's, it's uh wonderful that, that uh you know, it presented itself to you and you you followed down that, that road. Now in addition. So um and, and I believe your first edition was in twenty ten, is that correct? Or right around that time?
2: Yes, yes. The first edition, you know, I had been working with eating disorders about seven years and it was just clear to me that um you know, I, I use the expression looking at the wrong end of the telescope that, you know, these very malnourished patients were not being looked at as nutritionally deficient. And so I kind of put that model out there, and we were seeing great success of patients who weren't getting better, but as we provided more nutritional support, not just calories, but vitamins and minerals and essential fatty acids, people were getting better. I think... um When it first came out 10 years ago, uh, there wasn't the robust and dramatic research we now have on nutrition and brain function, and that's why I wanted to do a second edition. We added hundreds of references to really support this concept that for some are new is patients with anorexia nervosa need additional nutritional support.
1: Yeah, um, a lot has happened, you know, in the last 10 years. uh, in, your, in your book, you've given an example of uh, two patients, um, uh, a young uh, young child and, and an older person who went through reams of tests and that kind of thing, um, and it boiled down to the missing ingredient, so to speak, was uh, you know a nutritional uh, deficiency. So, can you tell us a little bit about you know about that that particular Question: You know that situation that you posed to the physicians in, in our conference, I believe.
2: Sure. You know, I think that um, anybody who treats eating disorders, or any family or patients that struggled with anorexia or eating disorders, it is just by the nature a, a what we call a chronic, relapsing illness. There's usually multiple treatments, outpatient, inpatient, um, success, and then relapse. And so many of the patients we were admitting to the hospital had just multiple treatment attempts, tried multiple medications, but but nobody looked at uh, metabolic, I call, or nutritional deficiencies. So, you know, we treated thousands and thousands of patients those first 10 years, and we would find a celiac disease, a, a disorder of gluten intolerance, causing nutritional deficiencies contributing to the symptoms. And And some of the patients we talked about had... Uh, frank vitamin b12 deficiency and until those nutritional deficiencies are treated the psychiatric symptoms are just stagnant and don't improve
1: yeah so so now is the medical community um the doctors um, it seems that the the first go-to is a pill you know and and Sometimes, if ever, maybe nutrition is brought into the picture. So kind of what's the the state of our education, the the status of, of, you know, nutrition in treatment?
2: Well, I mean, it's sadly very little training for physicians. You know, there's some biochemistry classes early on in training, but nobody talks about nutrition as it relates to, you know, disease, either a mental illness or others. I think over the years is, you know, talk around heart disease and and diet and lifestyle, but not in psychiatric illness. It's been completely um, missed part of our training, and people have not been taught about how nutritional deficiencies affect brain function. The brain, you know, is our most metabolically active organ, of nutritional deficiencies will affect brain function. We've known it for hundreds of years. It's just not part of medical training.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a shame, you know, because it seems to be such a a basic element of life, you know, that uh, that we're kind of um, overlooking now. Um, when it comes to uh, the idea of supplements, um, you know, nutritional supplements. Um, there, there's there been an apparent, and I'm gonna use the word apparent in kind of air quotes, an apparent tug of war between whether they're good or bad, you know, or, or helpful or not. Um, now, is that a real um, kind of tug going on or, you know, what, what, you know why is there sometimes shade kind of being thrown as the idea of nutritional supplements?
2: Yeah, no, I think it's a really important question because there's so much research uh, contradicting each other every day. You can read a headline, this vitamin is good for our disease, and the next week it's a complete opposite study. And the core concept that I think is missing from much of this, um, both research and what the consumer gets, in the media is not understanding that everybody's different and Mm -hmm. you know just giving everybody a a supplement whether it's a fatty acid or a vitamin B or D that's not going to make a difference because one person might have a very serious vitamin D deficiency the next person might have complete normal it's not often it's not always I guess the better word related to dietary intake we have very genetic differences and how we absorb and utilize nutrients. So that I think has been the biggest kind of problem is not seeing uh, this nutritional science uh, as more of a personalized approach. And Mm. the eating disorder field, people have uh, shied away from nutritional supplements because the focus is you need to learn to eat, get comfortable with food, and have calories to restore weight. And uh, I think for years, the sort of community has just missed the boat around this chronic malnutrition sometimes five, ten, fifteen years does result in severe nutritional deficiencies that can improve more quickly with nutritional supplements
1: hmm. okay, yeah, because uh, you're right you know you do it seems like you no know, the minute one study comes out there you know twenty four hours later was a contradiction and, and um you know, and it's for the the layperson; um, it can be real confusing. <laughs> you know, to to kind of uh, get an idea. Um, so, when, when it comes to the um, the, the treatment um, of anorexia nervosa, that is um, a I mean, obviously there there's a physical component. when I mean, we're talking about you know malnutrition but is there um equally or or maybe um as you know much so a a psychological aspect to the condition
2: yeah a- absolutely um there are many factors i i think genetics is important um there's a genetic kind of vulnerability to eating disorders and anorexia, so we have this genetic vulnerability, and then these environmental stressors. And, and psychological stresses um, you know trauma bullying loss um, are all factors but uh, and social media um, our kind of uh, obsession around weight and 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 body particularly thin uh, bodies affects our youth and and what we're seeing and and all these factors collide um, certainly in adolescence where kids have a higher need for uh, nutrients. like um, So psychological factors are important, but uh, another thing I think is critical to understand that uh, psychological factors might have been a factor in somebody beginning to diet or beginning to restrict food, but eventually the nutritional deficiencies that create those life-threatening disorder, those are sometimes a uh, few, few steps removed from the initial psychological stress.
1: Okay. Wow. So when, when in treatment for, um, anorexia, um, what, you know, let's say that someone's listening, one of, one of the reasons I, I love having you on and, and, you know, experts like you in the medical field is because you just never know who's listening and you know, um, if, if someone right now, is in experiencing anorexia nervosa. Um, obviously, we probably direct them to getting assistance or help for that. But what what are of the, um, well, even what are some of the signs, you know, that one has that. I mean, if if they're listening and they're not even sure that this is, you know, um, something that they're experiencing, what what would what would be the signs other than just Maybe the um, unhealthy, with an overall unhealthy uh, sense of being.
2: Yeah, I think um, the important. Uh, many times as starts in adolescence, so parents need to be aware of any kind of uh, dietary changes. Oftentimes, kids would be restricting food. Sometimes go on a vegetarian or vegan diet. Uh, start. Um, uh, you know, wearing baggy clothes, more concerned about th- their body and, and how they look. And uh, those are early signs, but weight loss is, is usually the most prominent, and that, uh, you know, needs attention from uh, pediatricians and therapists. I think the most important thing I can share is family members to make sure that you find a therapist or dietitian or doctor that is, has experience with eating disorders because it it's a unique Sort of that, not all clinicians have experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so important. And, and thanks for pointing that out. Now, you you kind of slipped in there um, vegetarianism, and and I was as I was looking at your book in in, in the section on nourish your brain. Um, you have a, a section called Special Diet Alert: Vegetarianism Can Put You or Your Child at Risk. And I, I mean, I'm I'm not, you know, but. Um, Tell us. I mean, you know, because that's. I'm mean, a good number of friends who are vegetarian.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the diet alert really should be vegan. I, I think um, the, both the, the research okay. is quite clear that a vegetarian diet um, slows the uh, treatment progression of eating disorders. There's higher rates of relapse and and less weight west restoration. But I, I think, in my experience, that many vegetarians who are eating dairy and eggs can get adequate nutrition. I, I urge every parent of a vegan adolescent to be very cautious because I believe those are uh, deficient diets without adequate B12 and zinc and often amino acids, and place at-risk kids uh, and very vulnerable to the development of an eating disorder. Uh, we've seen it, we've seen it many many times. And again, there's research supporting this um restriction of, of meat and animal products preceding the anorexia nervosa between six and twelve months.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure to get that get that out there. Now, you mentioned zinc a couple of times and in, in, uh, in one section of your book, nurse the brain. Think zinc, <laughs> uh, which is a great way right, to kind of the, Get it in people's minds, is that a little uh, mnemonic? Um, tell us um, the importance of zinc, and you know, because generally speaking, it's not one of the minerals you hear talked about often, at least in my circle.
2: Right. Now, I think um, for many kids, uh, adolescents in particular, I see anorexia nervosa as a zinc deficiency. Um, illness, it's, um, again, puberty, uh, just like pregnancy, uh, we have a higher need for zinc. And if these kids are um, refusing to eat animal products, either a way to uh, cut calories or because of a vegetarian diet, there's just not adequate zinc. And many of the, the, both the psychological and the physiological, the medical problems with anorexia can be traced to zinc deficiency. Some of the digestive problems, some of the sleep problems, the anxiety problems are associated with zinc deficiency. And, you know, in the book, we have two chapters, hundreds of references, but often ignored by the medical community.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just, um, and, and real good information. Now, in the book, um, after each, at the end of each section, you have action plan, an action plan. So tell us about Um, about the inclusion of that and how that works for the reader.
2: Yeah, I was really, you know, in in this edition, I wanted to make it easy for parents um, to absorb a lot of information. It's, you know, all these vitamins and minerals and what they do in the brain. And some people are interested, some people aren't. And I wanted to be able to kind of summarize what you can do now, Um, you know, how you can get help, what supplements to try, making sure your doctors, you know, check for celiac disease. So I I wanted to make it very uh, kind of user-friendly for parents, families, and and loved ones for people suffering from anorexia nervosa.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think it's it's, it's wonderful to be able to, um, I I personally like, you know, books that uh, give you the opportunity to kind of, put what you've learned into action in your life you know, to make it like, come to life. So for um, about halfway through the show. Um, glad. So I want to take just a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, uh, there's, you have a whole section section three um, about um, nourishment for the brain. And it, it covers you know, many different topics. I kind of like to, to talk about a couple of them and you can just tell us, um, you know, their importance and, and how they, uh, Help the brain, okay? Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break.
0: Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, biteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn and you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guest. And now back to the show.
1: Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dr. James Greenblatt, and we are talking about his updated book, "Answers to Anorexia." And you can find out more again by visiting Dr. Greenblatt's uh, web pages. One is James Greenblatt MD and the other is psychiatry org. okay with that we're back dr greenblatt yes okay there you go we got you so now the nourishment for the brain is uh first of all uh you know we're, we're talking about um you know answers for anorexia but in general um, the the information that you have about nourishment for your brain that that is, is is that just even like good for everybody kind of nourishment?
2: Yeah, I mean, o- over the years um, in you know the book series uh, that I wrote called Psychiatry Redefined, you know, I, across all the major psychiatric illnesses, I use the term you know, nourishing the brain, which is some of the nutrients we talked about, the B vitamins and the zinc and magnesium, and and then nurturing the mind. So the nourishing the brain is critical um, for depression, anxiety, um, even schizophrenia has some of the best research looking at nutritional deficiencies and and metabolic defects that might contribute to these uh, very serious uh, mental illnesses. So nourishing the brain, you know, nutrition, and everyone's different. And then nurturing the mind is kind of really appreciating the complexity of all of us and talks about lifestyle and, and uh, mindfulness and, and relationships and connections and spirituality. So it's important to address all, and too often uh, psychiatric colleagues just focus on either a pill or a certain kind of therapy and not integrating all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, there are two aspects. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand in the sense that they're you know um, they're both you know, equally important. I that maybe the you know side of each our coin. You know, every side of a coin. I mean, the brain and the mind. You know, that uh, connection, that mind-brain connection, is one that um you know, I mean, some people tend to focus on one or the other you know when in fact they kind of work in contact so um, with, with the nourishment of the brain um, you know we, we talked a bit about a little bit about zinc and you know you you mentioned um, B vitamin B or B complex um tell, tell us what vitamin B does for the brain
2: well, there are actually many different vitamin Bs. There's B1, 2, 3, 6, um, and, and folate of B12. So they're, so they're all very different, but they are what we call cofactors in, in metabolism and, and energy uh, across the entire body. So common deficiencies are individuals that are eating junk food, a lot of sugar and refined foods because your body has higher need for B vitamins. Metabolize that, and and the other group that's deficient are those that restrict food and calories, like our patients with anorexia nervosa. So we often test for individual B vitamin deficiencies, like B12, or many times, particularly with anorexia, um, we just give a B complex and focus and on on the, the I think the most important in anorexia is called thiamine vitamin B1.
1: Okay. Um, so now with yeah, again I can understand the different um the different numbers the different types of but vitamin D and in, in in their um uh, you know, their ability to address various areas. Um one of the other um nourishment, uh the areas of nourishment for the brain I mean, that, that just kind of stuck out at me that I had never heard of was called uh I I had never heard of that. You know, and, and I've heard of complex amino acids, fatty acids, all the other ones that you talked about, but that one was a new one on me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, I can tell you a lot about it. That is, to me, the most fascinating <laughs> topic of of my career. I've devoted 40 years to to studying uh, this, and and the brief version is, you know, lithium is an element. It's in the it's in the periodic table, and it was. One of the first elements in the universe, in the the Big Bang, if you will, over 13 billion years ago, there was only hydrogen, helium, and this element called lithium. And it it settled in the Earth when the Earth was formed uh, four billion years ago. And and it's in in the Earth's crust and it's in our drinking water. and, And it is essential for human physiology, now, most people just jump and they think of lithium as a medication, and it is. Mm-hmm. It is a medication that is used for bipolar illness, but, you know, think of doses of like 1,800 milligrams, 1,200 milligrams is a prescription medicine, and they are side effects, and that's what, you know, people worry about, but milligrams in your drinking water, in your tap water, And those uh, micrograms, actually probably a better term, in your tap water is related to mental health. And so my area of of research and study is we've looked over the the entire globe, you know, Japan, um, you know, to Texas, and the level of lithium in the drinking water, the level of lithium predicts suicide risk. So those communities that had higher lithium in the drinking water had lower suicide risk. And and we have data going back 30 years, and it's all kind of corroborating the same story. So it's a very, very important mineral that I've written two books about, and I'm just trying to educate individuals to really appreciate and understand nutritional lithium.
1: Wow. I had no idea. And, and, you know, and my understanding, too, is that medical, you know, usage in the, the high dosage. Uh, so that's why when I saw uh, well, nutritional, I was like, hmm. So now, and I'm curious. I mean, you wrote a couple of books about it. So, you know, it's kind of, like you said, an area that's fascinating. I'd like to know, is there, you know, and you talk about groundwater and, and the connection with suicide. Is there, um, then any, um, attempt to, um, be proactive in, uh, maybe, you know, create, putting more natural lithium in, in, in those areas that may be deficient.
2: You know, I think when people you know, propose, when you, when you look at the research, it's so dramatic that there's been a number of uh, uh, um, uh, scholars who've proposed you know putting lithium in the drinking water because it not only prevents suicide, it also prevents Alzheimer's. Um, and so what the some of the newer research, which is pretty dramatic, they give small doses of lithium to those with early cognitive decline, and they were able to demonstrate a progression uh, to stop the progression of dementia in um, older adults, and, and that research also has been repeated. So the drinking water, I don't think it's going to get added. Although people are marketing now lithiated drinking water, and uh, okay. but people are using lithium supplements in research studies uh, for the treatment and prevention of dementia and Alzheimer's.
1: Wow, that's. that's... Fascinating. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of like an off label kind of, you know, benefits of, uh, you know, a, a natural substance. Um, well, I find that, you know, very interesting. So now, with the time span from the first book um, on answers to to this particular update, has there been any, um, what, what have been the changes either in understanding? The condition, as, as well as you know, treatment changes from then to now.
2: Well, uh, not great news. That's why I I took the effort to to rewrite and uh, update the book because eating disorder rates have doubled in the past ten years. Uh, or onset kids are getting sicker at younger age. We're seeing eight and ten year olds with severe um, anorexia nervosa. And, you know, our treatment model hasn't changed very much. Um, There's waiting lists uh, for uh, therapists and dieticians and inpatient and residential treatment programs are full with waiting lists. And and people are, you know, there's some, uh, you know, therapies that have been shown to be helpful, but the basic model hasn't changed dramatically in the past 25 years. And there was a recent Hmm. editorial in a journal the american journal of psychiatry and the leading researcher in eating disorders just um you know shouted out as that we have a crisis of care the medical community has to take this disorder serious insurance company have to do a better job paying and and getting the help these kids need so the reality is the treatment has not progressed much in 25 years
1: wow that's pretty sad um you know, what has the um, is part of the issue the the fact of the uniqueness in treatment? I mean, I mean, because it seems you know, that I would think that the insurance companies would like a, you know a, a particular set of treatments you know that they can you know rubber stamp um, versus the idea of an individualized. Kind of approach so do you think maybe the fact that it um, that, that by its very nature its uniqueness maybe prevents you know kind of a coming together and a, a, a treat better treatment plan?
2: Uh, yes, I, I think you're exactly right and and the malnutrition just blocks you know all attempts at treatment so most of our medical a world in this country is set up around, you know, either surgical procedures or medications, pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the 80s, um, every medication was studied. Nothing was shown to be helpful. Um, There's no FDA-approved medication for anorexia nervosa. It's a lot of the research. And without, you know, guidelines and tools, you know, uh, the field has been stagnant.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sounds like a kind of like a catch-22 in a way that, you know, the no no research, no, you know, new discoveries, you know, and no new discoveries, no new research. So, I mean, um, so, yeah, I can see where it would well, be difficult. But, but
2: I, I, one thing that has happened, another reason that I prompted me by writing the second edition, is the research that has come out over the past 10 years has clearly established anorexia as a brain-based illness. So, you know, with PET scans and um, MRIs and other research, it's just kind of now nobody will argue. Some of us were sharing this, you know, 25 years ago, but now it's it's well-established. Anorexia nervosa is a genetically-based illness that has biological changes in the brain and... That has changed. So that has kind of reinforced the need for look for more biological treatment. The, the malnutrition starvation is so profound. No medications work. That's why my approach is, you know, re-nourishing the brain to get a jump start on recovery.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that at least there's that um, common ground, you know, the that, being graced. Base, brain, brain-based, um, you know, so that at least it, I would think, would direct research. And now, what do you think needs to be done to um, bring nutrition um, and nursing the brain um, into the forefront? Into the, you know, for the other than reading your book, which of course is a great way to do it. But, I mean, you know, what are some ways that we can um, bring it, make it more, raise awareness? Uh,
2: you know, I, I think if, if everyone has in their mind that this disorder, the longer it goes on, the higher mortality rate, and it's a life-threatening illness. So the, the main, um, you know, objective is early treatment. Even, even I, I think this can be prevented if we, in our young kids, Uh, uh, early adolescence, if we notice a change in diet, if we notice restricting, if we notice, you know, uh, obsession around social media, which is kind of the gasoline on this really tragic fire, if we notice these things early, we can get help. Um, You know, there's a a family-based therapy where parents take a much more aggressive uh, treatment approach, that does work if we can get to these kids early. There are nutritional support that can help, and there are therapy that can help. So I think the most important that we can do as clinicians or as families is to not be afraid to get help early.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm kind of concerned, you know, with that that social media and its impact, you know, and apparently, or supposedly. Some of the platforms are also concerned about it as well, recognizing that um, it uh, you know poses um a health threat you know to the the young um, and uh, the, the teenagers so hopefully they that that will be fixed so now you know as a parent, obviously you know in addition to watching the dietary actions of their children should also be paying attention to. Um body image when it comes to their interactions online
2: uh, yes, I, I think that you know the recent uh, kind of facebook um you know documents that were leaked clearly shows that um, these kids are affected by what they see, even though it's not always real um, and it has a profound influence now, I don't think Facebook or social media causes eating disorders but it exacerbates um yeah. the the disorder and, and sometimes impairs them successful treatment um as kids get more and more embedded into these uh visual um comparisons and um delays getting help
1: yeah 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 you're right with that so i, I guess we're coming on to the end of the show so what, what do you hope that the, the reader um, will take away from, from reading the updated version of not just anorexia?
2: Well, I'll, I'll steal your word, hope. I mean, I, I really wanted to make sure uh, parents and, and kids and adults who have suffered from anorexia understand there is, there is hope. It's treatable. Uh, you just have to have you know, the, the three legs of the stool, nutritional support, therapy, and, um, and uh, you know, uh, what I call the, uh, the nurturing the mind and, and, and having purpose and meaning in one's life outside of this illness. So I think the most important message is a comprehensive treatment plan uh, can be successful and, and hope is very, very uh, real for families and kids.
1: Yeah. Now, I did mention um, that he's the founder of psychiatry redefine organization.org. Um, what, what kind of uh, resources do you have on that website?
2: Yeah, we have, um, you know, probably 150 hours of uh, what we call continuing education for professionals. So, you know, there's a three-hour professional course on anorexia nervosa for clinicians and doctors and therapists to learn about this approach. And then we have courses on depression, anxiety, and schizophrenia, and sleep, and other you know, aspects of psychological health and well-being. So it's a training uh, online a platform, uh, mostly for clinicians, but many families find uh, the courses can be very helpful understanding their illnesses.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. And yeah, so I mean I I, I spent a lot of time just kind of going through and and then also um you have the, the ADHD information there as well, which um again I mentioned about um the uh the show that we had about uh finally what was it? finally focused. <laughs> Correct, um, yes. So well, Dr. Greenblatt, it was really great to have you back again. Um, I look forward to our next time. Um, maybe it will be more than four years, or sooner than four years, I hope so. But I really appreciate you talking to us about, you know, and educating us on, on anorexia this time and on, on ADHD the last time.
2: Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I think if we work together, we can help. More
1: kids thank you i I agree very much thank you um, again everyone today my Excuse me there my my guest has been Dr. James Greenblatt, and we have been talking about his updated book Answers to Anorethia, Um great very informative book. Um, you can find out more about what Dr. Greenblatt has to offer by visiting his website, which is com, uh, and greenblatt is G-R-E-E-N-B-L-A-T-T, and so that would be jamesgreenblattmd.com. Or you can also visit um, the website for psychiatry redefined as psychiatry at dot So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition
0: of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.